This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Geology Final Cast. My name is Steve. Hey there, everybody. This is Chris. Uh, this is Jesse. Good evening. Good evening. Good yes. Hello. You're right, yep. big guy. Yeah, yeah, it no, looked like your head was going to explode yeah, for a second know. there. I yeah, I don't know. I just I got a tickle in my throat, and then I didn't want to cough because you were doing your intro. And then I realized I had to, so mm-hmm. I did, and it just everything but, went wrong. But you hit that cough button like a professional. I'm telling you, it's not my first rodeo here. No, <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> buddy. Yeah. Well, and also <laughs> congratulations to all our listeners out there. Thank you for joining in on the with the Geology Final Cast, the premier geology podcast out there on the internet. Hope you're having a good day today. I think we're having we're having an excellent day today. Everything's, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're you're listening to us. You're doing something right. Yeah, there you and, go. And, and if you're keeping track, we did miss a podcast last week. We didn't fall off the face of the earth. Uh, Chris and Jesse had field work and I, I offered to do it by myself and they said no. So Chris had field work. I, <clears throat> I ended up not joining because of car issues. Mm. Yeah. We so, were talking previously before the podcast about how there's, there's no chips and, uh, and plenty of dip, but something something to do with that makes a car shortage i don't know yeah, I'm not, no i'm no engineer <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's on par with with some of the jokes we were making before so, we came on tonight yeah just just plowing ahead uh yeah, is this episode 95 oh i think it 90, is 96 95 Ooh. something like that so we're getting close there we're getting up there yeah. That centennial mark. But yeah. um, yeah, we have a interesting podcast for today. So today is a request from uh, a good Patreon friend of ours, Maddie, um, has a request that we do the topic of Silesia. And it's a uh, piece of exotic terrain up. We're talking a lot about the uh, Pacific Northwest today, uh, a lot of tectonic talk today. Um, so but before we get started, if you really, really, really like the geology flannel cast, in which I don't see why you wouldn't like the geology flannel cast. I can't imagine why. I, not. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you can become a Patreon member or sponsor of the flannel cast. And uh, if you become a, uh, what's the, what tier is it? Where you, uh, I'm forgetting the names. <laughs> Topaz. A Topaz. Topaz. Yeah. <laughs> It, it goes by the most hardness scale. If you become a Topaz tiered member, uh, you can request a topic. So um, there How you do they it. become a Patreon member, Chris? Oh, you can go to patreon.com slash geology flannelcast, and you can see all of the options. And some options start at as little as $2 a month. Yeah. So, so check us out. Uh, check us out on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram. We're, we're getting better at our social media content. We're not the best, but we're, we're old dudes. So we're trying to get better. <laughs> and uh, this is episode 96, by the way. Ooh, 96. 96. Yep. Yeah. This time Yo. next month, we'll be doing the centennial episode. What is, what is 96? The theolite 
anniversary. I so. believe it is the Theolite anniversary, which is apropos for our yeah. topic today. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get some emails about that one. But anyways. Yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> so let's, uh, should we just dive right into it? Yeah, Salizia. So you, yeah. you said the topic. I don't know. what. It, what is that? Well, it's a, uh, it's a, like I, I kind of mentioned in the, in the intro, it's a little bit of a exotic terrain, uh, that is we deal a lot with the Pacific Northwest up in uh, Washington state. Actually, really, before we get into it, apparently out on the West coast, they just say Washington. It's an East coast thing. And we actually say Washington state. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That, I've, that's what <clears throat> I've heard. There's a, there's a. A grad student at Temple, I guess he's graduated now <clears throat> from Oregon. And he, he mentioned that, <clears throat> that we all say Washington State. And he's wrong because you need to. <laughs> it's ambiguous. It's very ambiguous. Washington, so, D.C. or Washington? I, I always differentiate Washington, D.C. versus Washington State. Yeah. If, I'm talking, say, about, yeah. if I'm talking about Washington County in Pennsylvania, I say Washington County. Yeah. That's <laughs> Which I talk about often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under so, rep- it's for just, our southwestern Pennsylvania crowd. Nice. Uh, for another fun fact, uh, I work in Delaware. Delaware has three counties. Wait, grown- I'm surprised it has that many. Uh, wait, let's see if I. Oh, shoot! I just blanked out. Newcastle. That's one. Princess. No, no. <laughs> the Diamond State County. Newcastle, Dover, nope, lower, <laughs> lower. Right, you, you, you're, you're, it's Newcastle, Kent, and Sussex counties. Kent and Sussex. I should yes. have known that. But Pennsylvania has what? 64? 67, I think. 66, something like that. Yeah. A lot of counties. So it's funny to go to Delaware and it's like, which of the three counties are you in? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, yes. So let's see. Drop it like it's hot. So hot volcanics. We got to, you know, there's, there's, geez. Okay. So the tectonics <laughs> on the West coast of the U S is, it can be a little, little complicated. All right. And it, it, this, this whole thing makes my brain hurt. Yeah. Like so. <laughs> trying to piece this together. Um, okay. So here's our handicap for, for this this podcast and i'm just going to throw this out there right now since if we're doing it in podcast form we have no visuals right so <laughs> you can check us out on youtube yeah yeah uh, so the visual you can watch at least our hand gestures you can watch our hand gestures going like this and this and this and yeah. nobody else can goes under and yeah yeah <laughs> okay so i guess so let's start off I guess I was, I'm going to start off by going off of the outline. The first thing, just <laughs> great. <laughs> so start off by fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's go back in time. You know, we're at the uh, end of Mesozoic, early Cenozoic. We have the uh, uh, we have the Farallon plate subducting underneath the uh, underneath North America. All right. So what's going to end up happening is Celestia is this. Uh, this bit of uh, exotic terrain is going to going to kind of come down um, against or kind of behind 
up against the 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 Farallon plate there, and so that's kind of and the Farallon. Well, I guess we should say well, the Farallon plate coming down. Exotic terrain, like an island arc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to well, I mean, it, it's it's a little more but, complicated than that, but yeah. Uh, just just to you know, you say exotic terrain. I'm thinking, I don't know. Machu Picchu or like Fiji or what, like, you know, in my brain, I'm thinking all different kinds of things, but when you say it, I know what you mean, but visually I'm thinking like really weird, wacky stuff. And, and so, but it is really weird, wacky stuff. And the, so the Farallon was, it was oceanic, right? Yeah. It's oceanic. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that was, that was coming down and that was subducting you know, I think we'll probably talk about this a few times throughout the, the podcast today, but the, the important thing is just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at geologically, when the, the Farallon plate's being subducted underneath North America, that's causing something called the layer meteorogeny, which is uplifting the Rocky Mountains. Now, we could do a whole podcast on how wacky that, <laughs> that mountain building event is. Ray wacky. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But it just uh, kind of give you a sense for the, the the time period that that when this whole thing starts, right? So Celestia so is going to come in early to middle uh, Eocene, and you know we're associated with this uh, this kind of this exotic terrain. It's going to be marine basalts and kind of interbedded sediments. All right, so we're dealing with. Uh, Geographically, we're dealing with, like I said, the area uh, currently under um, Oregon, Washington, and even up into Vancouver Island, a little bit up into into uh, Canada there. So this this whole area, it's going to be it ends up being fragmented into the Silets and Crescent terrains. All right. So uh, just to give you a heads up, or to kind of define what a terrain is. Train is uh, a crust fragmented or formed uh, on a tectonic plate, but it it's, it's broken off from a tectonic plate and it's accreted onto or accreted or sometimes we'll use the word sutured onto the crust of another plate. Right. So basically it's a, you know, it's this tiny, it's this, this block of real estate that just gets boom, smashed up onto onto the uh onto you know another another plate there it's yeah it's often the way like <clears throat> the continents grow right because you, you you're the only new crust forming is ocean crust and so you know sometimes i ask my intro students well how where do the continents come from then? and this is one of the main ways continents get bigger or they grow is they get pieces sticking to them like subducting plates as they're going down you get a a jumble of stuff sometimes in a little wedge that's called um, the creationary prism or the melange wedge. Mm, that sounds exotic. Yeah. It's French. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so the, uh, this, this terrain known as Celestia, it's, it contains these basalts that are theolitic. Right. And so what that is, it's, it's these mantle derived, it's from a mantle derived magma that's been erupted from a, a spreading ridge, right? Like a seafloor, a seafloor spreading ridge. Um, and uh, associated with this stuff, these, uh, 
is, or we're going to have like pillow basalts. So pillow basalts are, that's when you have, you have a, uh, basically you have a vo- uh, these lava flows coming from the bottom of the ocean floor. And once it gets, once, once it hits the bottom of the, you know, it comes out from underground and once it hits the, the ocean floor, it tends to kind of make these, like it makes this, the shape just like a pillow kind of balls up. And it's just, just because it gets, it gets, the stuff's really hot and it comes out onto the ocean floor and it gets quenched and it basically starts turning into a rock like immediately. So it's like all these little blobs and those are, those are known as, uh, as pillow basalts. So if you ever on a field trip, a geology field trip and someone's and they're they're looking at pillow basalts, it's the oldest joke in the book. It's not funny anymore. All right. But you're going to see some <laughs> doofus that's going to pretend that they're sleeping on a pillow basalt, you know, and it's just like, uh, classic it always works if no yeah. one's doing no. it you should do it no exactly it's, it's just no listen i'm just telling everybody it's Stop, been done chris it's been done before okay you're not the first person that they doesn't say, make it i'm not gonna take funny. a nap on a pillow basalt it's yeah. i'm sorry it's, but if if you don't carry on the tradition the right tradition now dies. the tradition should be ended all right <laughs> huh. um we're, we're never gonna get sponsored by casper with with uh that anti-pillow talk there. Yeah. The mattress people. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm not really. Well, I don't You're, think Casper oh. is, is making, making pillows out of rock. Well, they're missing a big market segment here. They could call it the, the bas- pillow basalt for people that like a firm pillow. They, they do make insulation out of rock. Really? Yeah. Rock wool insulation. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Anyhow, yeah. Sorry, that was a digression. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So we're talking about these these theolitic magmas, right? So theolitic magma is one of two main magma series in subalkaline igneous rocks, right? So you know we're we're um, the, your igneous rocks can be broken up into you your, your alkaline igneous rocks. And then uh, you have more of like your, you could say like your, your acidic end. So basically the alkaline stuff can be more towards the, the basaltic end, right? And it's more your, your, your other known, otherwise known as uh, basic rocks. Right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's what we're dealing with for uh, these, these theoretic magmas, which, like I said, these, these, uh, these subalkaline rocks, and because the other the other series is known as the calc alkaline series, right? Um, and so these are distinguished from those rocks by redox uh, by the redox state of the magma they they crystallize from. So we're getting into a little bit of a geochemistry there uh, in terms of reduction and oxidation. So kind of that that's what uh, that's what separates it out. These, Do you remember uh, that little? Uh... <clears throat> Anagram to remember that oil rig with oxidation is losing reduction is gaining when it comes to electrons. Oh, I never, no, I never heard that. that. Yeah. Oil rig. rig. So if you're oxidizing, you're losing electrons. If you're reducing, you're gaining electrons. I always did uh, Leo Gurr losing electrons is oxidizing gaining electrons is reducing 
I wasn't much into the astrological star chart, so. I was just thinking of a lion. Leo, the lion says, grr. Oh, I was thinking Leo, the astrological symbol. Uh, I don't even know when Leo is, but. No clue. Yeah. I'm a, Ge- I'm a Gemini. <laughs> like, walks on the beach and starry nights. <laughs> I'm a Taurus. You mess Ooh. with the bull, you get the horns. That's what, that's what the tarot cards say. <laughs> Come on, Chris. What are you? Yeah. Uh, Taurus. There oh. you go. Very, and I'm very stubborn, too. <laughs> back back to the outline, gentlemen. Fun, <laughs> <laughs> fun fact there. All right. So these theoletic rocks, like I said, we're, uh, we're going to go to talk about redox states for a second. Uh, these theoletic magmas are going to be reduced. All right. So as Steve said, oil rig reducing is gaining, gaining so electrons, adding electrons, becoming more negative. Mm-hmm. And these uh, calc alkali magmas are oxidized. That's the oil part of oil rigs. Oxidation is losing. Right. All right. So when the parent magmas of basalts, when they're going to crystallize, they crystallize the more magnesium-rich and iron-poor forms of the silicate minerals, olivine and pyroxene. Oh, man, should we go off into a Bowen's reaction series a little bit with this? No. <laughs> uh, we, we did do Bowen's a little bit. Um, we did, a, did an episode. We did. Episode 18 back in oh, gosh. 2015. Um, uh, January 29th, to be exact. Steve always has a chart of... Uh, Every episode we've done and the title of the episode, he's like, for, for he's the like, most part, I think I actually missed the last like three, but yeah. <laughs> like when you're watching a baseball game and they're shooting out stats like left and right, like Steve <laughs> is the final cast statistician. Just a, he's hey, we've, we've covered a lot. If I didn't write it down, <laughs> I would have no idea. Topics like, I don't know. That sounds familiar. Were we just talking beforehand? Were we just talking in general? Were we recording? I don't know. If I don't write it down, it didn't happen. All right, so these uh, okay, so back to these these basalts. They're going to have, uh, like I said, when they crystallize, you're going to have more magnesium rich and iron poor forms of the minerals olivine and pyroxene, and this is going to cause the iron content of theolytic magmas to increase as the melt is depleted. So basically, as as you continue to make these these uh, basalts, they're going to be more iron rich. All right. So, uh, whereas the, the calc alkaline magmas, they're oxidized enough, they're going to precipitate a significant amount of iron oxide magnetite. You guys have heard of magnetite before? It's magnetic, one of the, one of the magnetic minerals. Uh, and this is going to cause the iron content of these magmas is going to stay a little bit more steady. And then um, it's going to stay more steady as it cools compared to a theolytic magma. All right. So, in this area that we're dealing with on this uh, exotic terrain, there's, there's some, uh, just some younger basalts in this region that are, um, uh, they're, they're both uh, al- alkalic and, uh, and uh, calc alkaline. All right. So what this is, this just kind of suggests that uh, these younger basalts are related to subduction. We're going to get into, there's a, a lot of subduction going on during the, uh, along the West coast of the U S throughout this time period. So what we're doing is we're, it's going to reflect a change from 
this, uh, you know, this from marine to continental volcanism. And we're looking, this is going to become evident around uh, 48 to 42 million years ago. So the reason we got into all this is because once we get with this, uh, with the, once this volcanism changes from marine to continental, that's going to be attributed to the accretion of Silesia against the North American continent. So, so if you ever wondered, like, why am I learning Bowen's reaction series? This is one of the cases where we piece this story together using sort of the, the, the mineralogy here of, of the, the basalts and of the <clears throat> igneous rocks that is really telling a lot of this story. You can so, actually go to place and you can see the chemistry of the rocks changing. And yeah. something's, something's got to cause the, you know, the, the chemistry of, of the rocks to, to change. And that's one of the things that the geologists will do, you know, and this is, this is one of the tools that they'll use to try and, you know, basically like, you know, what Jesse said, like, what, what does this mean? You know, what is, what's, uh, you know, you can go out there and you can watch the electrons just disappearing as it oxidizes. You know, sometimes it's like, I like to spend my Saturday nights, but watching, watching electrons. electrons. Yeah, disappear. Yeah. <clears throat> I think about that often. <laughs> Just, the electron cloud is all around me. I don't know what you guys are doing on your Friday nights, but this is <laughs> getting really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Just a uh, standard Friday night with me having an existential crisis about what my electrons are doing. Yep. Is that a you? metaphor for something else? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I wish. <clears throat> so, okay. So going back to uh, Silesia, this place, uh, Silesia, this place, excuse me, this exotic terrain has been exposed in various places by tectonic uplift and overthrusting. And then a fun fact, where did it, uh, where did Silesia get its, its name from? Well, you, you say Silesia and I say Silesia. Silesia. I don't know. I don't know who's right. I'm just curious. You know what? It's probably Silesia. I mean, we could you call it whatever you want. Oh, uh, Jesse right. is correct according to our Patreon. I mean, but who, neither of us were there when it formed, so who knows? I wasn't there. You're right. So yeah. I, who knows? Um, <laughs> let's, let's go with Silesia. Thank you for that. Silesia. Yeah. So a uh, good friend of the podcast, Ted Irving, I don't know, he's not a friend of the podcast, <laughs> uh, coined the term Siletzia in uh, 1979 after the Siletz River and uh, the Siletz Reservation. So Ted Irving was with the, the Geological Survey of Canada. All right. Uh, he provided some of the first physical paleomagnetic evidence of continental drift. Ooh. Wow. Yep. Big, big name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pioneered lots of work on mountain forming as well. So, you know, it's, geez, homies, it's really hard to kind of reverse engineer these mountains and yeah. to, to figure out what's, what's going on. I mean, like it's no, that's why to be completely honest, we really didn't have any idea how mountains formed until the 1960s, you know, until, until the, you know, plate tectonics came about, um, man, there, you know, I think we talked about this on the podcast before, but there were some 
wacky, wacky theories. Well, I mean, I think the there was the geosyncline theory. Yeah, catastrophism, Neptunism. Oh, I forgot about Neptunism. I always forget about Neptunism. Was yeah, Neptunism just- about making mountains or just about how rocks form in general? I don't know. I I always just picture Neptune. It was Neptune the one with the trident. Yes. Yeah. Just picturing like him just like raking sediment with his trident. Like, ah, yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah. Geosynclines. I mean, geosynclines is no better, really. It's just like mountains get built up by sediment, essentially just depositing into a pile. <laughs> and then it sheds and deposits elsewhere yeah. into a pile. Stuff piles up. Stuff moves around. Yeah. Just, you know, it's stop like asking so many questions. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like uh, you know, you just move your laundry from one side of the room to the other and just making piles. There you go. I've done that. Play tectonics puts things away. Puts things away in their drawers. Well, basically with plate tectonics, things, you know, things are moving around, making space for things to pile up, but yes. it doesn't really pile up. It kind of stops at, at a certain level, sea level, basically. Yeah. You run out of accommodation space. No, but you're right, Chris. We've only really known about this for 80 years. So. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. 60, 60 years. 60 years. 60 60 years. <laughs> My math's yeah. a little off, but. Yeah. Some uh, of the, I, I feel like, um, uh, Ted, I'm going to call him Ted. Ted yeah, Teddy boy. Uh, I'll get, just real quick, give another shout out to a friend of the podcast, uh, Ted at Temple, who um, he, he was, he had a bunch of good questions from the past couple episodes that I'm not going to answer here now, but I wanted to know, <laughs> I definitely thought about him. Uh, if you ever see in some of the classic textbook examples uh, showing sort of um, you know, the magnetic stripes that you see in seafloor spreading. Um, some of that early work, if, if you look at the location, is from the Pacific Northwest. And it's this work, uh, Ted was a part, Ted Irving, not Ted from Temple, was a part of. Um, so like really early pioneer on, on, on play tectonics, which good on him. He, he saw the value in this and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help build this idea out here. And here we are with play tectonics. Boom. There you have it. That's have it. it. That's, that's the whole story. <laughs> so in terms of how old Celestia is, um, we have a bit of a, uh, a bit of an age discrepancy here. Don't we always, whenever we're playing <laughs> the game of geochronology, there's always, it's always this game of, you know, different techniques are going to, you know, you tend to, I mean, you don't want to have dates that are completely, you know, that completely differ from other dates, but there's, you know, just it's kind of the nature of the beast with, uh, with geochronology, you're going to get, you know, sometimes dates don't, don't line up a hundred percent. There's some weird stuff that happens. Um, and then also in terms when you're dating stuff, as time goes on, the technology and the dating techniques get better and better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden you're looking at something and you say, well, this hasn't been dated in, in, you know, whatever, 40 years or something like that. Maybe let's, uh, let's give it another stab. Let's try dating this stuff again. See if the, you know, the newer technology, new, better techniques will give us a, a better constraining. So that's and- mostly the, the issue that's going on as, as, as these techniques get better and better and better, we're able to constrain these ages more and more. And, and sometimes too, Chris, I mean, you and Jesse know more than I. 
it's hard to get funding to date something that's already been dated. It's expensive. Like, yeah, nobody nobody wants to be like, oh yeah, let's go ahead and re redate those rocks that we already have rock solid, no no pun intended, numbers on. But then you know to make the argument, yes, well they but you know they were using old technology from twenty years ago. I think we can refine it to be better, and we have better techniques and you know all this other stuff. So it's it's sometimes it sounds like they're just being lazy and and resting on the laurels of others but other times it's it's legit it's expensive and it's hard to get funding to to redo something that somebody else has already done because funding sources don't want to pay for that stuff yeah yeah because you don't want i mean you really have to make the case to that the other person may have been off right like or or maybe not off but like Chris said, the technique has been yeah. updated. I mean, and... I just, yeah, when it comes to funding, I feel like if something's already been done, there's sort of an extra step of justification. There. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and funding sources don't sometimes don't have time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but the... if you're independently wealthy and listening to us, please give us, drop us a line. <laughs> <laughs> it always helps be independently wealthy. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing, before we get into this, the other thing about when you're dealing with geochronology is you don't just want to get one date because that can get you, that can get you in trouble. Stuff can get, there's all sorts of weird stuff there. Actually, Jesse and I are working on a project now where stuff gets changed. You get, uh, uh, you know, stuff gets chemically altered over time. And so you want to, you want to make sure that you have several dates because it's always always suspect if you just have have one date. There's always, you know, just stuff's weird. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Get yourself in trouble if you're just using one date for something. So, all right. So, to date the age of the uh, of the Celestia terrain, it's been a couple different methods. There's uh, potassium argon dating has been done. Argon argon dating. Um, Back in uh, some dates from back in 1982, suggested that Celestia was, you know, between uh, 50 or gave dates of 57 and 62 million years ago. Uh, and uh, some, uh, and then potentially, uh, you know, 49 million years towards the center of Celestia. So, because of this discrepancy of this in, in the center of Celestia, it has a younger age of 49 million years old, and then the edges. 57 to 62 that's quite, that suggests a spreading ridge or a seafloor spreading center right there so um other other researchers been looking at they found younger dates um you know and, and that didn't really have uh and much of this age symmetry uh younger dates from 50 to 48 million years old um uh, other dates, uh, people used uh, uranium lead dating. Um, let's see, uh, and, and they found a narrow age of 56 million years in the in the southern part of this terrain, or to 50 to 49 in the north. So, and that, uh, <clears throat> that idea about the age discrepancy from from north to south is going to make sense, I think, in a little bit mm. when we talk about the movement. Yeah, yeah. The motion of the ocean, if you will. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> uh, 
one, one thing I, I did briefly read something and I forgot to add it here. Some of these Argon dates too, and this kind of gets into the side story about, you know, radiometric dating. Radiometric dating is all well and good, right? Big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it does have some drawbacks, right? Because you're, you're relying on sort of radioactive decay, which you're not going to change. But if the, if the decay product, your daughter, is naturally occurring, you know, it can alter what your age is. And one of the things I was reading about some of this is that they, there, there was one paper where they were looking at some of this and they thought maybe some of the argon had escaped because argon is a gas. And so when okay. lead, um, so some of the, the potassium to argon, when potassium breaks down into argon, it, you know, the argon gas, if it escapes, it's going to make it look a little artificially older mm. because you won't have as much daughter product. So it won't look like it has broken down. It won't look like it has had as much time. So that may be some of the, some of the discrepancy here. Um, but I didn't really get into that too much. I, I yeah, just any, anyway, I think the big thing here is that, you know, the, the ages are sort of all over the place, but this, this newest study is, looks promising, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at the outline here, let me just say something here. Go this ahead. outline is formatted pretty well. It, it is formatted pretty well. Steve, Jesse, you happen to know Jesse must about- have been learning from all those videos from the formatting formula on YouTube. So if you too also have a question about formatting a word document, please go to formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula for all of your word formatting document needs. Um, <clears throat> We, you know, they've been a great sponsor of the podcast, but honestly, I'll go through, well, if you listen to previous episodes, I'll go through months <laughs> where I contact them weekly <laughs> to help me figure out stuff. Um, and it's not just like, you know, uh, bold or indent or underline, um, you know, it's, it's anything from uh, formatting your table of contents to hyperlinks to, um you know, fancy table of contents where if you right click it, it brings you right to that page in the document to bookmarks and things like that. So formatting formula can help you out. Uh, they do word, they do Mac. And, you know, if you're lazy like me, you just contact them and they will help you out. Or if you want to learn how to do it yourself, you can actually watch their videos on uh, YouTube and they have everything from older versions of word to PC versions to Mac versions. So, um, check them out, but more importantly, make sure you tell them the geology flannel cast sent you so they continue to be a proud sponsor of the <laughs> flannel cast. Um, so yeah, Th- that is a wonderful segue, Jesse, for this wonderfully formatted outline. It's very well, nice. Yeah. yeah, Jesse does have hyperlinks and stuff in here too. So <laughs> very nice. All right, so back to the age of of the Celestia terrain long story short it's about 50 million years old all right so that gives <laughs> that's the way i like to do geologic time to say it's, all these precise age. Ah, 
everything ends in either a zero or a five, right? (laughs) About 50 million years old. All right. So this is actually, there's a couple things that this is um, uh, occurring along with, right? Number one is if you look at the Emperor Seamount, right? So yeah, in case you don't know what the Emperor Seamount is, it's basically this, the underwater extension of the Hawaiian Islands. It goes from where Hawaii is and it goes, it goes out, uh, geez, a really far distance. I don't know what's, uh, it goes out to, and then all of a sudden it makes a bend. So I guess it, it, it leaves Hawaii at uh, going at orientation of like Northwest. And then it makes a bend and it goes pretty close to, it goes closer to North. All right. And so is that right? I'm trying to think. Jesse's doing some motions here. I have. I didn't look at Google Earth, so I'm not. I'm just... Yeah, I mean, yeah. The. I mean, I this. Oh man, I mean, it, it makes sure. a dog leg right. It makes a dog yeah. leg. Yeah, because the Emperor Seamus today trend north, which and and Hawaii is trending basically west northwest, which means the whole thing turned. Yeah. Oh, right now. So okay. Bad. I'm looking at the map. Okay. We're not going to get so bad one. with my kinematics. It's, it's trending. The Emperor Seamount from where Hawaii is trends about West, Northwest. You could even just say Northwest to keep it simple. And then all of a sudden there's a bend in there. There's an angle. And then boom, it goes pretty much pretty close to depending on what part of where you're, how you're looking at it. It goes pretty close to straight up North South. Give or take yeah. a little bit. It's just uh, you know the just... whole, yeah, the whole thing got rotated clockwise. Mm-hmm. The whole when you say the whole thing, the hot spot in the planet staying put. Perfect. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Great the, point. The Pacific, point. the um, the plate. Pacific plate yeah. is moving over that hot spot. But the main thing is when we see this bend in the Emperor Seamount, it means that. The it changed the Pacific plate changed the direction that it was moving in. There's there's so yes, so that occurs about the time that Celestia is uh, you know it's doing its thing is being formed, uh, and the other thing that's occurring is Himalayan uplift. Um, India is colliding into Asia at this point, and this is believed to potentially have caused a shift in the subduction zone where Sletzia is, right? And then also, now this one, from the research that I was doing, this is very, still controversial, this next point that I'm going to make. Oh, uh, well, we, we touch the to- topics no one dares touch. Exactly. <laughs> the it's premier believed- geology flannel cast. Well, of course, we're the premier geology flannel cast. We're the only geology flannel <laughs> All cast. All right. You know what I mean? Geology podcast. Carry on. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've said that a couple of times in the show, the premier, the premier flannel cast. Um, but the other thing is, it's believed that as Celestia came mm. down, so the Farallon plates underneath North America, it's subducting at a very, very low angle underneath North America, and it's driving up the rocky Super mountains. Super shallow. Yeah. Yep driving up the Rocky Mountains. Well, when Celestia shows up and, and gets accreted onto North America, so it's, it's uh, I guess there's a lot of criticism for it. It's a um, little bit of controversy over this, but it's believed that this could have terminated the Laramie or the 
the mountain building event that's forming the Rocky Mountains. So that could have been the shutoff mechanism. Could that could have been the shutoff mechanism for the uh, for the formation of the Rocky Mountains? Then also at this time we see a lot of some really major changes in tectonic and volcanic activity across much of Western America, Western North America. So that's actually that's some pretty pretty wild stuff right there. These these far reaching effects and just kind of the the domino effect that that uh, it's causing. So just to make matters even more complicated in terms of, uh, of this, you know, this, this uh, Celestia terrain, there's still other questions that have not been answered yet that include, um, you know, uh, accounting for the volume and diversity of the, uh, the magma composition in Celestia. And also there's been a fair amount of rotation. This thing could have rotated like 75 degrees which it's a nice little, uh, nice little chunk of rotation there. So that's why it's so hard to piece together the tectonics of, of the, uh, of the, you know, of, of the West coast and, and just in general, not even just the, the West coast of, of North America, because people think, I, I mean, I, I tend to think this too. My default is that these, you get, you're getting these like exotic terrains, these land masses, they're just kind of, they're, they're slamming onto North America, but uh, on a head on collision. Well, no, they're not just moving in, in, a, in a straight line. They're moving, but they're also rotating at the same time just to, just to make this even more complicated. So that's one of the, one of the things that are, you know, it's, 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 it's really difficult to you know, re- reverse engineer and, this stuff. Yeah, it, it is the way they can pivot. And I think we touched on it briefly when we talked about the Appalachians mm-hmm. um, when our Arcadia the collision of Acadia um, or Avalonia, sorry. Avalonia, yeah. It, because it also, you have just, just rotation that, that occurs and it rotates wildly. 75 degrees of rotation is insane. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really, it's on the outline here. I'm not going to go over it now because you start getting in the weeds of all of this. <clears throat> but just the tectonics that are going on and the age discrepancies about when the accretion actually happened and, and whether it happened at the North and the South first, you know, it, it, there, it, it is, it's not as straightforward as maybe as sometimes we teach it when we say, no, yeah. there's one plate and hits the other. And then there's subduction. Yeah. You kind of nice teach it like a car yeah. accident. Like, yeah, they're smashing yeah. into each other and that happens. But always, in, yeah, yeah, that's when it is even when, especially when I do divergence and you get a piece of taffy out and you stretch it and you see how it starts ripping and breaking. It's not a clean break. Then I eat the taffy and we're all happy. <laughs> <laughs> you and you just hold your else. finger. You, you hold your finger up for a minute while you're chewing the taffy. <laughs> yeah. This is the rate at which it takes. <laughs> so, these things take time. So there's, you know, geez, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on. So as this terrain, you said, it kind of comes in, it, uh, it potentially shuts off the, the layer meterogeny. You have the, you have the Farallon plate underneath North America, and then just to the, I'm going off the outline for a second, but then just to the West of where this is, of where the Celestia terrain is, then you get subduction occurring there. And that's, uh, that's where you're going to see your cascade mountains. 
um, uh, occurring. That's going to the cast, the, the uh, cascade mountains are like 40 million years old. So that's when that all, all that stuff kicks in after, after Celestia gets slammed on to, to the North American plate there. So in terms of size, how big is this terrain? Well, it's over 400 miles long or 600 kilometers. If you're uh, outside of the U S uh, about half of that. So that's on the, on its long access, about half of that across, um, about 200 miles or so across. Uh, so the original deposits of this thing were 16 to 35 kilometers thick. Uh, so let's see his actual thickness. Uh, as a, you know, some of the estimates vary on this. Um, it looks like under Oregon, this terrain could extend 25, 35 kilometers uh, into the trough between the subducting Juan de Fuca plate and the edge of the continent. Um, so, you know, uh, and then also and then in Washington, we also have this area called the Crescent Terrain. That's believed to be a little bit thinner, as much as little as 12 to 22 kilometers under the, uh, the western ends, western eastern ends of the uh, Strait of Juan de Fuca. But it possibly could be as much as 20 or 35 kilometers thick. Um, geez. Uh, so volume estimates of the, how big this thing is. They vary, um, geez, they're kind of, these things are kind of all over the place, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not even going to name the, the numbers here, but, it, uh, oh my goodness. It basically varies. <laughs> <laughs> the volume estimates of this thing vary from 10,000 cubic miles to 480,000 cubic miles. Um, so it says, and to just to kind of compare that to the Columbia river flood basalts, you're looking at like, those are like 41,800 cubic miles. Um, and then, uh, the Siberian traps, they're really big. They're like 4 million cubic kilometers. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't convert that one. Uh, how many elephants oh, is that? So, okay. Siberian, yeah, the Siberian traps are almost a million cubic miles, a million cubic miles. <clears throat> So, so those are uh, way bigger so these, than Celestius. Well, I mean, but not uh, only about twice it as big. Could be twice, yes. Which yeah. is which is still uh, that, huge. That was shocking to me. Yeah, <laughs> like like I know the Columbia but, River basalts and I know the Siberian traps, but I don't know. I mean, these aren't flood basalts, mm -hmm. but they're still it's still volcanically derived material mm, yeah an yeah. enormous amount of material yeah it's uh yeah that's incredible incredible excuse me so it's yeah nice little nice little chunk of real estate we got there <laughs> all right so in terms uh, of but see in the future i want all my units and elephants yeah so i when i was writing this out <laughs> i was doing miles and, and i don't know why i put kilometers in parentheses there no it's fine i just want to know how many elephants it is at least three yeah and what what did we decide we're going to average it between an african and indian elephant yeah what were the what was the yeah it, we don't need to get into it but <laughs> i spend the rest of is, the podcast trying to figure this is out. the indian elephant the bigger one? Oh man uh, there's two different types of african elephant there's a bush elephant and a forest elephant and they're, they're, the bush elephant is three, 13,000 pounds. Mm 
And the forest elephant is 6,000 pounds. And let me see, an Asian elephant is 8,800 pounds. Oh my gosh. So should we just the Asian elephant in Bain? I was just going to say, let's just call it 10,000. Call it a day. All right. Yeah. 10,000 pounds. Well, then I figure out the size of it, the volume. Right. Yeah. Listen, it's your week for the outline, buddy. <laughs> what is the volume of an elephant? Ah, look on Google here. There you go. It's about five, uh, five cubic meters. Huh. All right. It's pretty so, big. <clears throat> yeah. I guess elephants are pretty big. Anyway. Yeah. We're going to. We're going to go through all this. No, it's no, we're not. No, million cubic kilometers. <laughs> yeah, holy cannoli. So, five. I, I hope this all I gets wish, in there. I would have edited the Jeopardy music to just kind of quietly in the background yeah. while, you're, while you're doing this. Just, uh, Carry one. While yeah. Jesse's doing this, do we have any other sponsors or anything? <laughs> we can, yeah, right. Anything we got? Thanks again here? to our Patreons. I uh, I may be off on this, but it looks to be four hundred trillion elephants. All right, four hundred trillion yeah. elephants. Seems like seems like a lot. I'm I maybe a few orders of magnitude off here. Yeah, it's just like our dating techniques. <laughs> what did I? I said five cubic meters. Yeah. No, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because you're talking kilometers and square or cubic kilometers. So, yeah, and cubic. And so, two, I just did the 200,000. Oh, no, I did two mil, million cubic kilometers, which is two times uh, 10 to the 15 meters. Right. Yeah. So, then you just divide it by five. Done. Problem Done. solved. Right, that's, right, how yeah. many, that's how many elephants like a trillion what'd you say how many trillion 400 trillion 400 trillion wow. yeah that's a lot of basalt yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just a lot of, that's a lot of elephants all right <laughs> so all right we're all done talking about elephants right now so so, <laughs> so um okay so let's talk about that. We talked about rotation of Celestia, all right? And so using paleomag data, uh, it showed that these basalts that are in Celestia, uh, it looks like they've rotated anywhere from uh, 46 to 75 degrees, all right? Um, you know, and uh, it, uh, all of it, all, um, it was presumed that this was following the accretion onto uh, to the continent about 50 million years ago, all right? Uh, this thing rotated like clockwise, not like clockwise, it did rotate clockwise at a rate of about one and a half degrees per rotation per million years. Let's think about that for a second. So over every million years, this thing rotated one and a half degrees. Wow, that's, hmm, all right. Um, I, I don't know, it's faster. Yeah, and now that I think about it, does that make sense? Because it would have to be rotating. Well, if it's from the time it started, it, that would be for the lower end. It looks like. Yeah. 
for the okay. 46 to 75 degrees. So there's a, you know. Okay. Yeah. For the lower. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it does, uh, you know, it looks like this thing might've been rotating uh, basically as a, as a single coherent block, which is, that's pretty interesting too, that it's just kind of smashes into North America and then it starts rotating around. Um, yeah. Cause when I think of Avalonia, I think of it like a whip, like part of it starts hitting and then it just kind of cascades into it. Uh-huh. Whereas this seems like it's just a block that kind of hits it and then starts rotating. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So the other thing that I'm thinking about, just going completely off the outline here for a fun thought experiment, we also talked about uh, things going on, uh, you know, elsewhere in the world during this time period. So let's see, the San Andreas Fault basically starts kicking in after the Farallon plate gets subducted. I guess we're further south. It, it gets start getting a transform motion as a result after fa- the Farallon gets shoved underneath North America. I wonder if that has anything to do with the, uh, when did the San Andreas kick in? Do you guys know off the top of your head? I do not. I do not. I'm showing Sometime, my, but... showing my East coast uh, bias here. Yeah. Well, I can tell you it's sometime during the Cenozoic era. <laughs> <laughs> So sometime in the last 66 million years. Uh, according to the USGS, 30 million years. Okay, okay, so never mind. Okay. As North America was overriding the spreading center between the Farallon and the Pacific Plate. Yeah, okay. All right, then. A legacine, I guess. Yeah. Forget that thought. That's uh, seen, you seen a look? Yeah, yeah. But I guess... Yeah. So once I mean, like, so that's just another interesting thing too. It's you got the the Farallon plates getting shoved underneath North America, and that stops, and then you get this, you know, the most famous transform fault boundary in the world that rips following that. So the the whole direction of movement kind of changes around. The Anatoly fault. Yeah, it's it's, (laughs) Anatoly fault. I was showing your North. I was showing your North American (laughs) bias. Anatolian showing showing my Turkish bias here. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> Furkan Korkmaz is a uh, Patreon. What's that? <laughs> Furkan Korkmaz is a Patreon. It uh, it it does sh- illustrate sort of the idea how you know the, the surface of the Earth is is fun fact interconnected, and so. When, when you move one part on the surface, it has ramifications everywhere else, right? You know, you're, the, the surface of the earth, the surface area is not growing. It's not expanding and it's not shrinking. It stays the same. And so if you have subduction one place, you know, you're going to have spreading somewhere else. And, and if you have spreading in one place, you have to account for it somewhere else. So everything, there is this sort of, knock-on effect or chain reaction that occurs when when things start things start uh things start a, a rocking don't don't come a knocking <laughs> well when uh Celestia- I'm, off, I'm off the outline here please <laughs> <laughs> when Celestia came a rocking uh it looks like it hit the southern end first it southern end hit north america first and that's what caused that allowed that northern end to rotate around 
Uh, it had some had a little bit of elbow room to to rotate around, and, <laughs> and um, it had you know in order to to have that rotation there. So all right, so that's happening in Celestia, but um, then in southwestern Washington, we don't we only see about half as much of rotation as we saw um, as we saw in Oregon. And so we have there, and uh, we have this area called the, the Crescent Terrain. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. So it looks, it's, uh, it's believed that this Crescent Terrain broke from Celestia. Um, you know, and there's a couple different theories, you know, hypotheses on, on what happened there. But uh, if that thing, you know, potentially broke off from Celestia and looked like that went through its own little rotational history. Um, and there's a lot more variation involved with that one in Washington. And basically, some uh, it, it's speculated that this crescent terrain may have broken up into eight or nine crustal blocks. So that's pretty wild, too. This thing's, like, this thing's like segmenting. It's like, you know, just breaking up. Smashing apart. Yeah. Smashing apart. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. And final topic here is what's the origin of Celestia? You know, how, how did this thing, how did this thing form? Where did we get it from? What's the Genesis? So, uh, Ma- mama Celestia met Papa Celestia. That's right. When two, when two terrains love each other and they, <laughs> <laughs> then it becomes an exotic terrain. <laughs> so the, <laughs> we're off the outline. <laughs> we are really just <laughs> digging a hole right now. All right. Um, okay. So the 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 first uh, origin hypothesis is this uh, that Celestia for uh, it formed like well offshore. All right. Uh, let's see. So as seamounts or a hot spot at a or it's formed as a as seamounts or a hot spot at a spreading ridge, and then it accreted to the continent. Um, so, you know, this is where. Um, you know, uh, it's one, one hypothesis uh, back in 1982 by a man named Duncan. Um, he's basically said this is where a, a hotspot, which presumably could have been the Yellowstone hotspot. And this is this is where it gets even wilder. This whole story about what's going on with the Celestia terrain. Now we got the Yellowstone hotspot rearing its, uh, I don't want to say ugly head because it may not be ugly, but um, the Yellowstone hotspot might be getting involved in this. And there's actually a. Yeah. So once again, this is just, it's just so complicated. It's just, it's almost like, I don't know. I like just from kind of like, uh, like doing some research on this and just kind of studying this. It's comically complicated. It's just like what it's like mother nature (laughs) threw everything into this, including the kitchen sink, you know? So, um, uh, okay, so it could have been the Yellowstone hotspot. Um, uh, you know, there was a hotspot that intersected the uh, the Farallon uh, Kula spreading ridge, kind of just like what you see up in Iceland. How there's a spreading center there, and also a hotspot as well. Uh, it's gener- this hotspot generated a chain of islands, and then these islands were then accreted to the continent as the underlying ocean crust was subducted. All right, aka the the Farallon plate. Um, but it looks like the ages and geochemistry don't really line up with this hypothesis here. Uh, number two is formation inshore. We're looking, uh, 
on or near the continental margin, uh, you know, perhaps as a result of transcurrent extension or a sl- or of a uh, a slab window. So this is one thing I got a little confused when I was going over this stuff. Do you guys did you guys understand this bit a of little? A little. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole. Of what a I had did like Google. What is a slab window? So what is, a, what is what is a slab worm? Yeah, teach me a try and have me explain plate tectonic concepts. So a slab window, from what I was reading, it's just kind of like a a hole in the slab, like just something where that it just right. Is that basically yeah. it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> just like a thin spot. Yeah. Yeah. Where you just get I guess decompression melting, you just get magma pouring up through it, right? Yeah, that's what I was kind of no. Yeah, it just seemed like just something where the uh, something was going on. This there's just missing slab for this uh, on the uh, which again this this also ties into Yellowstone, right? The Yellowstone hotspot because they they think um, some of these or am, am I getting am I confusing two concepts here? No, the no, he transform. So where you have these transform faults that are forming. Yeah, um, that's what this next hypothesis is about. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I jumped ahead. Uh, you want to go with the slab window first before? I well, it just, uh, so well, this is like the, so, okay. There's, uh, it was proposed that the, the, the basalts that make up Celestia might have leaked through transform faults. All right. Which is kind of like the the magma going up through. You have these, uh, uh, you know, kind of following the path of least resistance. You already have a crack in the ground in these in these transform faults, and you're getting magma going yeah. up through the transform faults. Um, if you ever look, if if you go on, if you just go on like Google Earth or whatever, and, and you look at, we'll use the Atlantic because I need to get back to the East Coast. Uh, back to your you comfort zone, right? Yeah, we look at the Mid Ocean Ridge, right? And you, and you and you just zoom in a little bit, you'll see the mid-ocean ridge going through the center of the ocean, but you'll see these perpendicular lines that come off of it mm-hmm. because those are transform faults that we call fracture zones because the, the mid-ocean ridge or any spreading center, in this case, the Farallon-Gula spreading center, it's not a singular, you know, the, the crust just isn't opening up. Again, we're not, we draw straight lines. But a spreading center is just a series of these linear volcanoes, and they they spread at different times. So once you might get a new ocean crust forming, you know, in one spot, and so it spreads, and so the the areas north or south of it won't won't spread at the same rate or at the same time, and so you get fractures there, you get transforms as they get slid side to side, and so I guess the thought is here that. These spreading center transforms create, like you said, a path of least resistance where you get the old leaky magma coming up. The old leaky beaker. The old leaky, yeah. <clears throat> so the, you know, and, and some thought is that part of the reason you can get leakage here is because the proximity, because you're so close to where it's thought continent was in relation to the Yellowstone hotspot, 
you'll have a really hot magma that's buoyant and has a really um, low viscosity. So it flows really easily. And so it'll find this pathway and it can make its way to the surface through these fractures relatively easily. But all that being said, this idea has, has largely been thrown out, right? It was shown to be faulty with the transfer. I don't know if they were trying to make a pun. Is that yeah. a... <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, the, I guess the putting together sort of plate motions. Does that mean it was rejected? I mean, like, yeah, I will agree. That's a faulty, that's a faulty explanation right there with the transform faults, but maybe obviously. Okay. I'm trying to be, I mean, and yeah, I like it. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you don't necessarily see this occurring in Iceland. You don't have leaky transforms. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it, but it was a faulty fault. Faulty fault. I like it. Anyway. All right. Next hypothesis. So that's rejected. That doesn't work. Next <laughs> hypothesis that was thrown out um, suggested that, uh, let's see, uh, terrain at the margin of a continent was pushed over the Yellowstone hotspot. Once again, the Yellowstone. So the Yellowstone hotspot at this point, it's, it, you know, it's, you have an idea. That's another thing, trying to pinpoint where the Yellowstone hotspot used to be. So once again, the hotspot's not moving. It's the North American plate that's moving over the hotspot. And at this point, like 50 million years ago, the, the, the part of the North American plate that was over the Yellowstone hotspot was, was the Pacific Northwest. And so that Yellowstone hotspot, you can, there's, has, or the plates move from the Pacific Northwest to where Yellowstone is today to, to Wyoming over the last 50 million years. But okay, so we have this terrain that was, uh, it got pushed over the Yellowstone hotspot and it was rifted away from the continent by the upwelling magma coming up from the hotspot and that formed these uh, Celestia basalts. And, uh, you know, uh, so there's, and then on top of that, Rifting might have been initiated by a change in plate direction. So once you get the, the, the once if the change in plate direction occurs, then it's going to start pulling. You could get that rifting occurring, and all the like once again this this domino effect with plate movements, right? Um, or you could also get these uh, kinematic effects as the Kula Farallon Ridge migrated uh, along the the continental margin. And uh, one of these, one such effect is the formation of the slab window. So this is where we are getting at, or uh, a slab gap. And uh, so if you get a, a gap in a slab, that's going to allow this increased upwelling of magma coming up through there. So your slab window, you know, it's that then, and I guess this is the, the, um, the third hypothesis, the, the slab window hypothesis. And that's when, you're getting this uh, subduction of the spreading ridges is going to cause magma welling up from the athenosphere through the subducted ridge. Uh, it, uh, it would not reach seawater and thus it, it, uh, it's not going to be quenched to form the rock and, and close up the gap. So, you know, basically the slab, like we said, this, the slab when I just kind of have a gap in, in this uh, sl- in your uh, in your tectonic plate in this in the, the, the slab there, 
So if you have continued spreading, that's going to lead to this, the widening gap or the wide or the, the, the window in this uh, subducting plate. And as a result, then you can get this increased flow of magma. So uh, we, these fan, uh, you get a fan-shaped wake of volcanics of distinctive geochemistry left by the wag, uh, widening Kula Farallon slab window across northeastern Washington and in, even into Idaho. Um, and then uh, it looks like that uh, during most of the, the Eocene, um, you, you know, there's uh, you're seeing subsequent magmatism from Alaska to Oregon. And that's uh, it's going to be explainable in terms of ridge subduction and slab window tectonics. So, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of so it doesn't sound like I, I think uh, it looks like that, um, you know, potentially this I think the slab window is potentially the, the leading hypothesis on how this uh, Celestia terrain came about and uh that's about uh that's about where we're at so like i said just uh, so we have Celestia kind of um it's accretes onto north america potentially that stops the lyre meteorogeny the rocky mountains from um uplifting and then just west of that, then we get the about forty million years ago. Then we get the the Cascades being being um, you know we get the subductions under that cause the the Cascade Mountains to to being formed. So Slutsia shuts off that low angle subduction with the Farallon plate, and then just just seaward of the of the Slutsia terrain. Then like it's almost like normal angle subduction starts kicking in. And that's going to put up your Cascade Mountains. All right. That's it. Hey, that's Alexia. That's it. That's all she wrote. Pacific it is a, yeah. And, and the thing that makes it more complicated, I think, than the like Avalonian Rodney is this is like a brand new baby compared to Avalonia. Like, Avalonia is so long ago that you can just be like, yeah, we think this is what happens. But <laughs> we have so much more data about this that it's like, no, it's not as easy as just saying like, yeah, exotic terrain just smashed against us. Like just, and it's ever evolving too. Like you see it, you know, theories from the eighties have been totally debunked by now. And it's just, man, what a complex system. <laughs> like Jesse said, it makes my brain hurt. So, yeah, it's uh, an incredibly complicated history about, um, you know, just how that little, how that Northwestern corner of the United States came about. And, um, and I mean, my goodness, and, and we didn't even get into any of the other, uh, the, you know, prior, we talked, we, you know, the, I guess the furthest we went back was the Lyra meteorogeny, but then there was three other orogenic events or mountain building, at least three other ones, um, and actually more than that, uh, going back along the, uh, the West coast of the United States as well. So it gets, geez, oh me's it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, yeah, 
it's a, 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 a very, very complicated topic, but that's kind of, kind of the gist of what's going on there in the Pacific Northwest. That's what we do here at the geology plan. Yes. Tackle the topics that nobody else dares to. Exactly. We expose so. you to exotic terrain. <laughs> Legally. So, <laughs> if you, so if you like the podcast um, uh, and you want to, want to help out the podcast, uh, we do have a, a Patreon page for um, if you, if you're interested in, if you have a couple extra bucks, you wouldn't mind uh, sponsoring the podcast. We appreciate everyone that has, sponsored the podcast in the past and still continues to sponsor the podcast. Uh, you know, uh, sponsorship tiers start as little as $2 a month. And um, we do have merch on our website. You could buy some sweet t-shirts or some mugs, perhaps some stickers. All of the above. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. geologyfinalcast.com. Check out the merch section there every little bit. Um, if you don't want to become an ongoing uh, sponsor then just uh, if you if you want a cool geology flannel cast mug that that helps us out as well too where the t-shirts or the stickers or all that stuff so um check that out oh the the mugs do take your coffee and make it taste 20 percent better it's been proven scientifically yeah a double blind placebo test with that one allegedly mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so, it, you know we're we're still working out the case. We're trying to get it thirty percent, but it's at least twenty percent better. Yes. So all that uh, <laughs> all that can be found at geologyfinalcast.com. So, um, and then we're on all the social media stuff: Facebook, Twitter, the Gram, YouTube, all that stuff. So. Uh, Check that out too. So now, do young kids call it the gram or Insta? Yeah, the young kids call it both. Young kids call it the the Insta, but I don't even know if young kids are doing Instagram anymore. I think they're onto like something else that's like that we don't even know about. (sighs) Just you just can't. We'll be Snapchatting later. (laughs) I'll hit you up on MySpace. Ooh, Friendster! (laughs) Check out my Friendster. Friendster, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Right after this podcast gets done, I'm going to my AOL chat room. Okay. And uh, <laughs> just going to blog about this. So, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this week on the geology flannel cast. And we will see you guys next week for another fun and exciting topic about, about the earth. Something about the earth. We don't have a topic yet for next week, but guarantee you it'll probably be something about the earth. So geology related or space. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. But so. either way, th- thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. Thanks for all the support and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye. <laughs>